Ready, set, go. Go. to yet another episode of the Lifelong Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Molly from Three Pines Leadership. And as usual, my friends, but not to be forgotten is how much I love and appreciate you all for spending this part of your day with me and with my new friend I'm going to introduce you to. So it's Thursday, so it's got to be time for another conversation. And before we get into himself to you, I want to remind you, connect with me on social media at Coach Molly with an E on Twitter. I know they keep telling me I have to remind you guys. So I did the, I did the business. I, I, I paid the bills. There we go. I can check it off. The leaders know I've done it. Now let's get into the fun stuff, my friends. So I, I get told I'm a little bit obnoxiously optimistic sometimes, uh, but I'm going to tell you guys, I'm not always like this. I do force myself to be optimistic and that's because I know that life can be hard and I know that we can have challenges, but if we go into these challenges with the right mindset, we can overcome anything. I promise you. And I, I, I mean this big challenges, little challenges. If it's a challenge for you to get out of bed in the morning, I understand that. I appreciate, I see you, I hear you. If you think it's it, your big challenge right now is leaving a job that's leaving you miserable, I hear you, I see you, I appreciate you. If you are stuck in a relationship with someone who's just not working out, or if you woke up one morning and realized that your relationship was not working out, I see you, I hear you, I love you, I appreciate you. No matter how big that obstacle is, we can get through it. I got your back. So I want... Well, I'm not going to introduce him, but I want you to get to know this next guest because he's awesome. He's really awesome. So, hey, guest, who are you? What do you do? Hey, Molly. Um, well, my name is Dustin Drun, and I right now I'm an unemployed father of three, uh, recently divorced, but living my best life. And, you know, I think it's important that, um, you know, I want to be on your show because I just wanted to share with other people how how I'm doing that you know how am I getting through how did I break through the crap of getting divorced which sucks and it it does it sucks so bad but you know there's there's good on the other side of everything and so um, I just want to share with people like how I did that what I'm doing on a daily basis to to get to the other you know the end of the rainbow and I think um Anyone can do it. They just have to figure out how to get it there themselves. Everyone has a different path to that to that goal. But I think there's a lot of common things that everyone can, you know, tap into to get themselves there. Totally. I love it. I love it. Now I, I got to ask you, because I ask everyone, how are you changing the world? Well, I'm changing the world for my kids. One, one kid at a time, um, you know, making sure that they're in a good spot dealing with, because they have to deal with this stuff too, and they're handling it as best as they can. But, you know, um, you see it every day and what they do and how they respond and how they react to 
external forces. And then, you know, going and taking one step further, like just being a positive light in the world out there, you know, um, people see you, people can pick up on your energy before they even meet you. And so I think if you're able to project that positivity in the world, um, I mean, really, that's kind of everything. What we need right now is a lot more positivity, a lot more like up in the world. There's so much, so many, you know, yucky things happening out there that, um, you know, a little, a little smile, a little, you know, a little love just emanating from you is, is what everybody needs. So, you know, it doesn't have to be massive things that you do to change the world. You don't have to be, you know, Tony Robbins or someone to like, you know, impact thousands of people at a time, but it starts with one person and one thing at a time, one day at a time. And I love that you're starting at home too, because you as a parent, no matter how difficult the world is, your kids are looking to you for calm and security and they're looking to you as a role model. So how do you, how do you balance that? Having to deal with your own emotions as you go through this challenge, but also having to keep your head up, keep strong and lead with your, for your children. Well, I think you take yourself out of the equation a lot. You know, I think if you, if you can see yourself through your children's eyes, if you will, you know, if you look at it from their point of view and go, well, what, what, if that was me, if I was them, what would I be looking for? And to be able to um, provide that kind of strength and be that kind of, like you said, stability. Um, I mean, once you take the focus off of yourself and you look, you know, at others and what they need, then it, it gets easy. I think, um, you know, I think a lot of people can get wrapped up in me, 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 and, you know, how, how am I going to, how am I going to handle this? But as soon as you focus on, you know, how am I going to give to somebody else? How am I going to, you know, um, serve somebody else? I think it gets a lot less complicated. Oh, I love it. I want to take a moment to celebrate you as a dad and also all of our dads out there, all of our single dads, all of our married dads, all of our dads who care so deeply about their kids, because that's how we're going to change the world, my friends, is when we get our dads inspired to lead their children. And this is what I'm talking about. This is what Dustin's doing. No matter how challenging the world around him is, he's sharing that light with the ones who need it the most. And that's his kids. And that, oh, I love it. So I'm taking a moment to celebrate you, my friend, because that, that not everyone makes that decision to, to walk that extra difficult road. So thank you for that. Love you, you and appreciate you for that. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the challenge itself. Let's talk about this, this difficult time. Sure. So what, well, what were you like? What was going on before it happened? Who were you? What was your mindset like? Tell us about that and then, and then lead us into what's been going on. Okay. Well, it's kind of a long story. So um, I'll, I'll try to give you the, the gist. But so I was married for 24 years, married to my high school sweetheart. Um, it was good before it was bad, you know, for a long time, as my sister-in-law said, you know, it was a good relationship before it was a bad relationship. Um, you know, you kind of go through your life. I'm, I'm 49. I just turned 49. Um, you go through your life and you think things are going well. And, and you know, it's 
you think that you're on track and you're doing what you're supposed to do and everything's, you know, hunky-dory. And then suddenly, one day, the rug gets pulled out from you and you find out that someone changed their mind about wanting to be married <laughs> to you. And so, um, you know, never, never in a million years did I expect it, but, you know, it happened. So, um, so I got in this, this place where it was dark and, you know, it was like, oh man, you know, how, how am I going to get out of this? This is, this is all I know. Um, you know, this, I've been with this person for so long and, and, uh, you know, you think, you know, somebody, that whole thing, you know, and then everything gets turned upside down. And, um, you know, for me, I think I took, it was important for me during that time to always kind of take the high road, um, to always be, you know, again, focusing on the kids and like, okay, well, what would they want to see? How do you model, you know, strength and positivity and, and, you know, stability and they need someone in their life to show them that it's okay, that it's going to be all right. And so I kept focusing on that, those, those, my three kids, and my oldest is 19, my, my uh, middle is 16, and my youngest will be 12 next week. So, um, you know, during that time, this whole, uh, I guess we'll call it a transitional phase of between being married and not being married, because um, <laughs> it was a process, it was a long, it was a long-term situation. Um, you know, we just, I just made sure that they were protected in, in any way, shape, or as much as I could protect them um, emotionally, um, you know, I guess physically in, in terms of like providing them with, you know, the comforts of home and stuff like that and giving them a stable, a stable environment to grow up in. Um, and then just trying not to drag them through the muck of whatever me and their mother had together. Um, so anyway, so we, when we got divorced, uh, or before we got divorced, we were separated for two and a half years. And the way that we managed, we actually were, have, we were fortunate because we were always on the same page as far as whenever it came to the kids and what was best for the kids. We were able to talk without having too much, um, you know, too many issues, too, many, too much confrontation or, or anger. But whenever it came to the, talking about the, the kids, we were able to uh, come come together and agree. And so when uh, when we decided we weren't going to be together anymore, uh, we we said, well, how are we going to handle this, with kids? Like we can't we can't be in the same house together. But what will we do? Well, her parents live nearby, and we approached her parents and said, and this is kind of an this is where it kind of gets unusual. We approached her parents and said, you know, clearly we're separated. We're not going to be together anymore. You have an extra bedroom. Would you be okay with us swapping out of your house every few days so we can leave the kids in place at the house so they can have a stable environment? They can keep their stuff. They don't have to move back and forth. She and I will move back and forth. And, and they were cool with that. And so for two and a half years, Molly, I did this this pack, I lived out of my, my duffel bag. I was home for three days and then I was in their bedroom for three days and I was home for three days. So we kind of set it up. So we were, it was kind of a preview to divorce life 
because as you know, with divorce life of kids, you've got custody and stuff. So we split 50-50 custody, which is kind of like the preview to what we did, a mini, a mini version of that. And so um, the entire time we were together, or we were doing that, we did that for two and a half years. And I did it for so long because um, one of the, one of the um, catalysts for starting this whole divorce thing, I guess, was um, being a single income family was me. I was working. She, she had stopped working when the, when my son was born. And as the kids got older, I got like, things got more expensive and I'm like, Hey, maybe, maybe go back to work. That would be great. You know, little, you know, throw a little money in the till here and there. Anyway, apparently I, I might, I might've said that in a, in a way that she didn't respond well to possibly, <laughs> which I don't know. I mean, you do at some point have to take responsibility for your own actions in terms of how things work out. But um, anyway, she dug her heels in and said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to work, whatever. Um, so anyway, um, we, she, she didn't ever end up working. So um, she still doesn't have a job. Um, uh, but so we rotated out of the house and, and, and did all that. And then um, the reason it took so long, that's where I was going. The reason that it took so long was because I kept waiting for her to go find a job. I'm like, look, you get a job and then we'll file for divorce and we'll get it done. But the reason I wanted to wait was so that when we did get divorced, she'd have something to go do, you know, she'd have income. And that never came, that never came. I'm like, I don't know what you're doing. So I just, it forced my hand. I'm like, look, I've waited long enough. I've been patient long enough. Two and a half years is a long time. I'm going to pull the trigger on this divorce thing. And I did. So last summer or so, I suppose I was when I filed and just basically dragged her along and said, we're going to the, we're going to the attorney. We're you need to sign these papers and we're going to get it done. And I live in California. So there's a six month period from the time you file to the time you finalize. So in October, um, we, we filed and then in April we finalized. But so the entire time that during that time, it was just, you know, doing the same old thing. Um, in the meantime, we had to sell the house. And um, so we listed our house the very day that governor, the governor of California announced the COVID lockdown. The very day. So we couldn't, we couldn't show the house to anybody. No one could, couldn't do any open houses. We couldn't do anything the very day that he had put a lockdown. So we talked to my real estate agent. She's like, I don't know how we're going to do this. And I'm like, oh God. So anyway, long story short on the house, we ended up selling the house to the second buyer that came along. We got the number that we wanted. It was great, whatever. So we sold the house sight unseen by miraculous, you know, you know, twists of fate, whatever. Yeah, it was great. But, um, you know, so we had to deal with that. And then, um, again, it was just, it was all me pulling. It was like pulling, like pushing a rope up a hill to get her to engage and help me with getting this all done. And I pretty much did it all on my own, which was fine. Again, um, you know, the entire time I was so busy doing things for myself, by myself, without really having her, her support or help. Um, I guess her only support and help was just, I guess, staying out of the way. I don't know. Um, but I did have a support group of friends that were always there for me that were like, um, you know, just, you know, cheering me on and, and giving me positive energy. And, you know, they gave me a, it was a nice, they were nice, uh, outlets for me to vent 
uh, my frustrations and, you know, all of that. I went to the gym a lot, a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, I do drink alcohol and I, but I never took that to like the next level. I know a lot of guys out there are like, Oh, we'll just go drink, like go get, you know, turns or whatever. <laughs> um, that's just not who I am. I'm all about, you know, staying in control and how do I focus on me and getting myself to the next level. So, um, so during all that time, I made the decision that, um, you know, this wasn't going to define me. This wasn't going to make me, you know, um, bitter. This wasn't going to make me, you know, have a bad outlook on things. In fact, it was going to do the opposite because this is an opportunity for me to, um, to grow and to change and to evolve, um, to expand and to be more open to things. I think for a long, long time, I kept myself suppressed. You know, I kept myself, my mouth shut and I just kind of, you know, said, okay. And, you know, put my head down and worked. And, and, and so part of that is my fault. The whole reason that I, I mean, you have to look at that and go, well, what, why, why did I get in this position? And I think that might be, and I think a lot of people don't realize that, that they're in the position that they're in because they let it happen too. Um, so if I was going to say something, if, if I was going to tell somebody else who's in my shoes, like, look, you're going to be honest with yourself and ask yourself, what did you do to get yourself in this position? Because you did something. It didn't just show up at your door. You manifested this somehow, some way. And so, um, you know, it's the ugly truth, but it's, it's true. There's, there's, it, it does take two to tango. Everybody has their own cross to bear with these relationships and these situations. Some things are out of your control, but then how do you deal with them is you just have to decide to, um, you know, turn lemons into lemonade, I guess, you know. So this is what happened a month ago. Um, I worked for a company, for a real estate company for 17 years. Um, I was the marketing guy, the administrative guy. I was kind of like, I was kind of a catch-all. I do a little bit of everything, marketing, whatever. Um, I'd been kind of itchy to get out, but, you know, at the same time, they offered me stability and they paid me really well and, and all this, you know, all of that. And 17 years is a long time to be work for one place. Well, 4th of July weekend, the guy that I worked for <laughs> uh, passed away suddenly, like, like, he was on a houseboat and had a tragic accident and fell off the boat and died. I know. So 4th of July weekend, crazy, right? So 4th of July weekend, this was in like, you know, the summertime. So COVID is coming. First COVID came 2020. Let's do the timeline. 2020 starts. COVID happens in March. In July, June, July, my boss dies. In August, I get let go. During all of that, I had my house, you know, I went through a divorce. I sold my house. So all of this is happening, right? And so you're, you're kind of looking to the sky and going, what is happening? <laughs> what are you doing to me, you know? But through it all, I think, you know, you just do. You have to look at everything as an opportunity. Everything's an opportunity. There's, there's, um, there's a meaning behind it all. And if you assign a positive meaning to it, then positive things will happen. If you assign a negative meaning to it, then negative things will happen to you. So you, you attract that stuff. Um, so I've done a lot of personal development things, Law of Attraction, Abraham Hicks, um, Tony Robbins, like all those guys, you know, Les Brown. I do a lot of listening to YouTube videos and stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, how do I do this? Um, 
So now I'm in a search mode where I'm like, well, what am I going to do next? 17 years is a long time to be in one place. You know, my attitude about that is I wasn't really that happy in there anyway. You know, like I, it was, it was okay. But again, it was kind of a, I felt suppressed there. It was like, it was, again, it was a, it was a reflection of the same thing that I was going through in my marriage where, you know, you have to, you know, look at this as a growth opportunity. So that's what I'm doing. And, you know, being on your show is, is another, is another way of me doing that is another manifestation that I've kind of wanted to do, get my message out there to people, especially guys, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, guys don't necessarily know how to handle this stuff. They don't necessarily know how to, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They, um, explain themselves, you know, they don't know how to express themselves is the word yeah. I'm looking for. Um, they don't know what outlets to look for or to do, or they don't really know what programs there are out there for them. And, and, you know, I'm not an expert on all this stuff other than to say that I've been through this. So I know, you know, how I dealt with it. Um, but my, what I want to do is kind of through, through by committee of, or by pulling people's resources of other people that have gone through the same thing, we can get together and talk about like, well, how do you get through this? What do you do? How do you, how, what resources are you using? What um, what's your mindset? How do you get up in the morning? You know, what are you, what's the first thing you think of? What's the last thing you think of, you know, before you go to bed, what are you going to do tomorrow? Like, how do you stay organized? Those kinds of things that keep you busy and focused, you know, what, what's, um, and it's not like crazy things. It's many minuscule changes that you can make in your life that, um, that make a big difference because all of those little things that you do on a daily basis create these habits that you have and, and those habits grow into, you know, bigger things and then they grow and they snowball. And then the next thing you know, you're doing, you look back and at, at the crap that was your life five years ago and you go, how did I manage that? How did I get to where I am today? And, and the answer is you started small and you worked it out and you worked it out on a daily basis and you didn't really look back. You always look, look forward, you know? So I think, um, you know, having that positive mental attitude, I guess, that attitude of gratitude, all those little catchphrases that you can think of, um, you know, yeah, they're, you know, corny, but they do work if you, if you buy into them and you use them and you apply them on a daily basis. And, you know, I try not to shove that stuff down my kid's throat Mm -hmm. other than this is how I live my life. This is how dad is. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm about. You know, you model that act, that behavior and then that's where they show up and they go all right on a consistent basis you do that and that's what changes them that's what they see positive um results come out is by being able to like well dad dad kicks ass on a daily basis let's do that too you know and i love that you're normalizing those conversations as well because it's not only are, are you changing the world in terms of bringing these kinds of conversations to adult guys who need this, who haven't learned this in the first place, but you're also laying that foundation and normalizing these, this language and this discussion and this understanding of self and self-regulation to your kids at home. And hopefully, my hope at least, is if parents continue to lay that foundation at home, those conversations and that mindset flows into their kids and through their kids to their friends. 
Yes. That's oh. So going back to your original, like, what do I, how am I doing? What am I doing to change the world? I want to do that. I want to teach other guys, or at least not teach them, maybe, but just show them. You know, like what you just said. This is what I did. You can do whatever you want with your own kids. Those are your. That's your business. But I'm telling you. You know, if you if you're in a position where you're able to influence your kids in a positive way, that that creates generational changes. Mm-hmm. It stops it stops the pattern of whatever you dealt with and whatever you're going through right now, and it changes things going forward. From this point forward, it doesn't have to be this way again. It doesn't have to be like that for their relationships going forward. If you can show them, it starts with you, and you change yourself, and then you know it spiderwebs out from there. Those are that's how I think I'm, if I'm, if I'm going to change the world, that's how I'm going to do it. Oh, I love it. I love it. So looking back at who you were, let's say in high school, mm. what was that mindset like? Cause the, a lot of who we are when we're teenagers is the mindset and the habits that are handed down from us. Right. But yeah. when we're teenagers, we can start to break that mold. Were you breaking that mold back then? Or were you just going with the flow? Um, I think, you know, when I was in high school, gosh, it's been so long ago, Molly, thanks for bringing that up. Um, (laughs) uh, when I was in high school, I was voted like, you know, in the yearbook, they have those things like most, you know, likely to blah, 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 that (laughs) I was, I was voted friendliest. And I was like, huh, okay. And I, and now I went to a big high school. I think there were like, I don't know. I think there were like 600 and some kids in my graduating class. So it was a big high school. But anyway, um, well, let's think about what I was like. And I was a popular kid, kind of, I kind of fit in every groove. I wasn't really, I didn't really have a specific group of people. I didn't limit myself to one group. I was, I was in the jocks, but I was also, I didn't do drama, but I was in choir and I did like, so I had this kind of um, eclectic group of people that I kind of floated you know, flitted from, from group to group with, um, about my, you know, in terms of my, my attitudes and things like that, I, I don't know that I had the, <clears throat> the tools yet that I have now or the life experience. Well, I kind of did have some life experience in high school already. So, um, and I, Okay. Well, now that you've asked me, so when I was a kid, <laughs> so growing up, I, I'm I'm one of nine kids, nine kids, and we're all adopted. Cool. My parents are are are. My mom is Swedish. My dad's Norwegian German. A couple of white folks. I am not. I'm not white. I'm a Filipino kid. Um, I was born in Manila, and um, um, so I'm one of nine kids. We all came from different backgrounds and different um, um socioeconomic backgrounds too. Um, um, I have um, two black brothers and two black sisters and two white sisters and two uh, <clears throat> a Vietnamese white brother and a Vietnamese black brother and I'm the only Filipino. So there's this very interesting group of kids and then mom and dad are white, right? And um, growing up, and, oh, and the, the age range for all of us, I think my youngest sister is six years younger than me and my oldest brother is two years older than me so the range of kids i mean it was what was that like an eight year gap to have nine kids in that same kind of group and so there was always some kind of um 
there might have been some friction, you know, going grown up with, between. And then we all came from different backgrounds already. None of us were newborns when we came. So a lot of a lot of them, and I don't say I, I'll say I didn't because I was a baby when I was adopted. But a lot of these kids came with baggage. You know, um, they had some hardships growing up before they came to our family. That they um, that kind of showed up in our family. And so um, there were there were some a lot of family counseling sessions that happened um, where we all kind of figured out how to get along as a group. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if it was smart or dumb of my parents to do this, but, um, <laughs> you know, to put so many different things in a bag and shake them up, you know, um, and see how it went. It was a very interesting social experiment if you look back on it. Um, but, you know, through it all, we figured out ways to get along, but there were also some issues. I mean, there was, there was, um, uh, there were times when people had to be separated and things like that. People had to live in different homes for a little while because of, uh, some disagreements and some, some conflicts that happened. So it wasn't your typical growing up period, like family structure unit, whatever. And I think some of that, may have changed me and, and shaped me as a, as you know, in my younger life to where I was like, okay, well, I can see psychiatry or psychology being in my future. So, you know, social work of some sort, I think it's always been kind of in the background of what I am, uh, wanting to be helpful and wanting to be um, of service. And I was always one, I was the kid in my family that looked at my parents and said, look at what they're doing. Look at how hard they're working. What can I do? Even though there was all this chaos around me with my, with my siblings, how can I just be the best kid that I can be? So I was kind of like, um, I was the social one. I was the, you know, the scholarly one. I was the athletic one. I was the guy that, you know, I wanted to be the representation of, okay, this is what the kids should be, you know, whatever. And that may or may not have been the right thing to do, but it's what, it's how I dealt with it. And so I think I may have taken that into my adult life and tried to be more, um, you know, continue to, to be like the, the shining example, if you can't, if you would, of, what what you should do you know i've been very compliant over the years but um you know i think i always put everyone else's needs ahead of my own for a long time too and so um now is my time you know now that i'm almost 50 where i'm i'm finally saying i'm gonna do this for myself i'm gonna be you know the best that i can be for me because now that everyone else is sorted I feel like too, uh, it gives me the chance to, to go up and, and pursue some things that I wanted to do. Oh, that's so cool. We, we talk on this podcast a lot about conflict and different ways to take charge of conflict. And so I just want to highlight some things for everyone listening. We heard about collaboration, which is an interesting example uh, Dustin brings up with this awesome blended family of people from all over the world that sounds that sounds like such an amazing place to be and i recognize that obviously there's going to be tensions and there's going to be difficulties but that is such an incredible learning environment for young people because not only did you learn how to get along with different people you also learned through the 
tools and techniques of professional psychiatrists and psychologists and social workers and whatnot, the dialogue and the language that is required. And it is so evident talking to you that you have taken that and maybe it kind of went under the radar for a bit for a few years in your life, but you're coming back to it and you're using those same tools, techniques and dialogues to change your mindset, to change your life, to take control of what's going on around you and to help other people in the process. That is that is super cool. And then we also saw a great example of collaboration when you were talking about your ex-wife and how you guys navigated navigated the living situation for the the purpose of maintaining stability for your children, regardless of whose side you're on and who's right and who's wrong or anything like that. You guys were able to push that aside and together work towards what is most valuable and that was your kids. So that is a fantastic example. But you also have explained and, and shone light on a, a position that we try and get away from, which is the avoiding conflict. But in your case, avoiding conflict was the way to get through it. And it was a coping strategy that thankfully you chose a coping strategy that was going to set you up for success in life. When so often a lot of kids who are in that kind of difficult, maybe even, dare I say, unstable um, situation where they might start to cope in a very different way. They might start to act out or they might start to um, kind of come into themselves and, and, and shy away from everything. So I love and appreciate that you got the right path and you took that um, to where you are today. And it's, it's helping you. It's, it's allowing you to shine that light on the world. I, I absolutely, I absolutely love that. And I also kind of want to touch on the fact that when you're talking about, mm, talking to guys about these tips and, and whatnot. So it's easy. I find that women, we love to talk about this stuff and we love the woo woo stuff. And like, we'll go get our nails done and we'll talk about how we're feeling and, and all of that. It, it's, it's normalized within kind of female to female culture. But for guys talking about that vulnerability is like, so not okay. But I, I wonder if, I like to talk about these things instead of the woo-woo. I like to bring it down to reality, right? Things that we can, tangible ideas. So I talk about having a toolbox and tools within that toolkit, right? So we have the tools of understanding the law of attraction and understanding where we put our energy. What does Tony Robbins say? Where, where focus goes, energy flows, right? Exactly, yeah. So we have that wonderful tool. We have the tool of understanding how to send our message, understanding that our body language has to do with that, understanding that we need to own whatever actions we have taken that got us to where we are. And it's not saying that you're a failure. It's saying, all right, well, what did I do that got me here? Okay, let's not do that again. <laughs> like, yep. it's just understanding reality. It's taking the bias out of it. It's taking the be personal. It's taking the, I need to win this situation and the other person needs to lose. And it's changing that. And it's saying, uh-uh, we're going to flip this completely on its head. And we're going to talk about values. And we're going to talk about changing the world and changing the way we, we do business, changing the way we, we deal with our kids and all of that. And we do that I like to call it owning. Um, so it's, yeah. you own the, you own your part of, of the conflict. 
So what did you do to get you to that point in the first place? Be honest with yourself, be vulnerable with yourself, because if you don't, the rest of the path is going to be built on a faulty platform. It's not going to work. Second thing we do, O, W, is look for win-win situations. So instead of just looking at what's on the table right now and saying either, I'm going to live in the house or you're going to live in the house. Instead, you say, what else could we do? What other resources are there around us that we can tap into to come to the better solutions? And then number three, the N, O-W-N, is to negotiate for win-win solutions. And negotiate means you have to actually be willing to sit down at the table. And Dustin's story shows us how sometimes that's not possible. (laughs) And as much as you want to get through that situation and you want to be the leader and say, let's do this, let's jump in, sometimes you just can't because the people you're working with, the people on the other side of the table from you or whoever you're negotiating with, they're just not there yet. And that's okay. Sometimes sometimes you got to take a different approach. You know, some one key point of negotiating is, you know, to stand up and walk away. <laughs> you can't, not yep. every deal is meant to be closed, right? Yep. So like, you do have to, you know, know when to say when sometimes with some of these, with sometimes, I mean, you can't win every situation. You can't, there's no, there are, there's no rule in the universe that says everything needs to be done like with a neat little bow. It doesn't always happen that way. And so, yeah, you do have to be able to pivot and get away and walk away from things sometimes and go, well, that wasn't going to work out. So knowing what I know now, what can I take with me from this experience and use it towards another experience where I will have a win-win situation or a, you know, a a positive outcome. Um, But I think that understanding of it, that understanding of, of being able to let go and not white knuckle it all the time. And I've got to get it done like this. This has got to be done. The, the ability to let go of that understanding or that feeling of, of um, that expect- self-expectation of things yeah. um, is important. And, and I think if people are just a little bit easier on themselves and just go, all right, all right, let's just roll with this and see how it goes. And if it, if it, if it's, I'm going to win no matter what happens, no matter what the outcome of this situation is, I personally, in, inside, in my heart, in my mind, in my spirit, I'm going to win because the win is redefined as what do you take away from it, right? It's not about, you know, what material gains did you make or whatever, custody or whatever. It's what do I take with me when I die? You know what I mean? Like, this is going to go with me. This is the part. This is the part of me that expands and grows so I can take this with me to the next relationship, the next adventure, the next, my next life, whatever. Um, that experience is, is what it's all about, right? So talking about the, talking to guys yeah. in, in layman's terms, if you want, that will be, you know, I'm in, I'm on a Facebook group that is a lot of divorced guys. Uh, it's like, divorced dads with kids or something like that is the name of the group. And, and I just joined it like not that long ago. Um, but I've in this, this mission that I've been on this, I guess if you want to call it a mission is fairly new um, where all of a sudden I realized what my calling kind of has been like this, what, what it should be is to figure like, there's so many guys out there that are, 
they're hurt. They're just, they don't know what to do. They're so screwed up in the mind that, you know, who knows? And I don't know what their all situation is, but, and I'm not trying to save the world with them. You know, each of them has their own stuff, but anybody who wants to, who wants to learn how to live a more abundant life, who wants to learn how to make themselves better, you know, I'm going to be friends with them. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to create a new, um, brotherhood if you will of people that let's focus on the positive let's focus on ourselves let's figure it out and then we're gonna i don't know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do things i think uh create a, a new a new culture out there um you know you can't help you can't save everybody you can't help you can only help the ones that want to be helped and you can only get through the ones that understand it can you explain things in a little different way that isn't so woo-woo? Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, um, but sometimes it doesn't matter, like, how masculine you make something sound. Uh, they're still not going to quite get it. So, you know, it, it's an internal decision that they have to make, that each of us have to make, male or female, women, you know, we all, each of us have to make that, that, con that conscious decision to make, a change in your life and you know again talking about Tony Robbins because I do listen to a lot to him a lot you know you can know all of this stuff you can know all of the you can listen to all of his tapes go to all of his stuff you can do you know all of the exercises but if you don't do anything to change your life on your own take massive action by yourself for yourself then none of that matters you know you can you can post all kinds of stuff on Facebook. You can do, you know, be a voice or a light or whatever, but it doesn't, none of that matters if you don't change what's inside your own heart and inside your own mind, because then you're just, you're just spewing, regurgitating things without really having anything kind of underneath the surface to hold it all together. Yeah. So I think if, if um, people want to uh, learn how to, I don't know. That is the key, I guess. If they if they want to learn how to take that massive action or any kind of action, I think they just have to know that it starts small. Start yeah. small. Don't be overwhelmed by it. Start small. <laughs> I hope you keep telling your story and you keep sharing your message because my coach, my uh, I love my coach, Catherine Jones. Shout outs to Catherine Jones and anyone else who's in her, her world. Um, she talks about turning when your story becomes your audience's story, your solutions become their solutions. So imagine if you aren't brave enough to share your story, then that person who needs to hear your message isn't going to hear it. And it, you can, I'll be honest with you guys, the first like hundred episodes or so, okay, maybe not a hundred, but like the first 40 or so episodes of my podcast, nobody listened to them except my mom. I love you, mom. But like you just keep sharing your message and eventually you're going to get that email that I got recently where someone listened to one of the very first episodes of my podcast and it connected with them in a way that I never thought possible. So please, Dustin, keep sharing your message because there's so many dads out there. There's so many guys out there who need to hear it because what you're talking about is going to change the way it's going to change the game for them. It's going to change how they perceive the world and how they go about taking that action. If you sit there and you, I always like to say that you have two choices in life in every moment. And this came out of 2016 was the worst year for me. I lost my grandfather, my father, and my two best friends. Like it was 
it was horrible, but I'm so, I am so thankful for that year because man, 2020 is a breeze. It's a breeze because I, I learned in 2016 that you have two choices. You can either curl up in a ball on your front lawn and do absolutely nothing, or you can find a way to fight. And if you, if fighting means fighting for your kids, then you do it. If fighting means taking that crazy step and starting that business you've always wanted to start, do it. If it means taking that crazy step and like calling that girl you've always had your fancy for, do it. Like we're not going to get anywhere in life if we sit on our ass, right? Like yep. take yep. that action, my friends. And remember what Tony says, where energy go or where focus goes, energy flows. So what you are tuned into, what, what fires you up and what you're passionate about, focus on it. Go do it, my friends. Don't just sit there and go, oh, I wish everything would change. Oh, I'm horrible. She left me. Oh no. Like must be something wrong with me. <laughs> like, no. The so best many people. dating advice I ever got um, was from some TV show and they said, uh, they were talking about soulmates and they're like, if you think that everyone you come across is going to be your soulmate, you're nuts. <laughs> you're nuts. So stop thinking like that and start enjoying the people and the things that happen in your life and making the best of it. Using them as stepping stones, my friends. Oh, yeah. All right, Dustin, we got to wrap this up. So is there any last words you have for our listeners at home? Uh, you know, I think, no, not really. I think you can talk all day and we can, we can talk about all the things that need to be done. The bottom line is, you know, today, if you're listening to this, I mean, um, if you're listening to this and you are trying to figure out what to do next, stop. Just do do what's next. Just do what's next. Don't stop. Don't don't get in your head about it. Just go out and do what's next. Whatever that is. If it's small, then do it. Get up. Make your bed. Brush your teeth. Get going. Yep. You know, get to work. Do your best. Be the be your best. You know. Hug your kids. You know, stuff like that. Basic things. And then I guess um Find someone, some way to give today, if you can, yes. to whatever that means. Give someone something. It doesn't have to be a thing or, you know, money or anything like that, but, you know, help some, be Give be your helpful. time, give your attention, yeah. give, give love. Give something. Yeah. Give something of yourself and you'll get something back and you'll be surprised. Oh, oh I love that. Dustin, it's been so awesome chatting with you. You're, oh man, I'm, I'm so inspired now. I love it. I'm going to go take some massive action tonight, my friends. Awesome. All right, everyone. This has been another fantastic conversation on the Lifelong Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Molly from Three Pines Leadership. As usual, guys, I love you and be excellent to each other. Mm -hmm.